This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Now it's time for Spiritual Learning with Priestess Lily. Welcome to my radio show, Priestess Lily, Sacred Heart Healer, Space Holder and Spiritual Life Coach. Welcome. How are we all today? I created this radio show podcast to help assist humanity rise the consciousness through connection and holding space for thought-activating conversations with heart-centered leaders, wisdom keepers, and divine humans expanding into their authenticity and soul purpose. To allow you as the listener to really be activated. To take brave action and allow yourself to witness parts of yourself that you may never have acknowledged before and reclaim parts of yourself that you have forgotten. Which brings me to my phenomenal, amazing, divine human today, Andrea Westbrook. Andrea is a mindset and confident coach whose mission is to help fat curvy or plus-size woman, women whose bodies don't fit society's notion of ideal, to befriend their fears so that they can call in their confident, supercharge their self-belief and confidently live the life of their dreams. As a plus-size woman, Andrea has overcome years of weight stigma, fat phobia, and low self-belief to move into her full potential and achieve her career and life goals. Andrea couples her personal experience with her nurturing and encouraging style to help her clients live the life of their dreams. Welcome, Andrea. Welcome. Thank you, Lily. So nice to be here. Oh, I've been so excited about your interview ever since the um, Biker Awards because I was like, oh, there's that lady and I need to connect with her. And so when you said uh, how yes, I was like, I can't wait to have such a deep conversation about the work that you bring into the world and how you really help women. And when I went on your webpage and the fact that you just call it and say the word fat, I was just like, holy shit, she's speaking my language and everything that we've been told we can't talk about. Amazing. I love the word fat (laughs) because it always gets some sort of reaction out of people, whether positive or negative or somewhere in between. Yeah, and I think it's a word that, you know, us as females very much 
we're, that's like we're, we already know the conditioning of fat like when we're six or seven, you know, through yeah. appearance. And- yeah, yeah, absolutely. The word fat as a word has really been demonized by society. And from, like you said, from a young age, it really is, we're taught that it's the worst possible thing you can be as mm. a woman. And I think to an extent men are starting to, to receive that conditioning as well, but definitely for centuries it's been um, something that women should avoid at all costs. Mm. And this is what I love about your work because it's yeah. really about breaking down those barriers and that condition. Yeah. So yeah. how did you know that this was your work? What's your journey? What's your story, sister? Sure. Um, I love sharing my story, so thank you for asking. So my, I most all of my career I worked in corporate, in corporate HR and, and recruitment and had a great career there, which taught me a lot about working with people. But a few years ago when my mum my passed, I went through that, you know, that struggle, I guess that questioning, that conversation with myself for, I don't want to do this forever. I don't want to be in this um sort of capitalist grind of Monday to Friday, eight till six, being told when I could have holidays and, and things like that. And when I, and not having time to do the things that really, you know, lit my soul on fire or having to fit that all around the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I actually, and so I just started trying different things. I didn't know what the answer was, but I was quite into my yoga practice then. So I was like, okay, I'm going to explore this further. Did yoga teacher training. So that opened me up a little bit. And then through that, I started exploring um, essential oils. And that's when I started getting, becoming more aware, I guess, of um, energy mm-hmm. as a force, as a quantity. And I kind of parked those two things. So I thought, oh, neither of them are quite it. And then um, I was really fortunate in that with my work, I had the opportunity to go and live um, in Asia for three months. So I packed up, left the husband here, left the anim- him looking after the animals, and I took myself off. And the only thing I really had to worry about was work and looking after my team for that period of time. So all of that extra time that I had because I lived in a hotel so I had there was no housework I didn't have to cook if I didn't want to like it was just a beautiful time to really focus on myself Mm -hmm. and so that's what I did I I read loads I just I went for loads of massages and just really soaked in whatever it was I needed part of that was listening to lots of different podcasts And I was walking to work one day with podcasting my ears and it hit me like a lightning bolt. This is what I do every day. I coach people every day in their, but usually with a career focus. I thought I can do this. And this is when I did that kind of cracked the door open. I started exploring. I found Beautiful You Coaching Academy, which, you know, every day I think in some way that course changed my life. Mm When I started, I was going to work with corporate women because that's what I was. That that's who I knew. Women in male-dominated industries. That that's who I understood. But as I started working through the course, I re- realized that group kind of felt flat to me. There's already a lot of people working in that space, and it really didn't make me feel excited or passionate. And at the same time, 
Biker introduces a lot of concepts around social justice. Mm-hmm. And I think it was, and there was an article shared in one of the Facebook groups around how body size is the last, kind of the last frontier of inclusion and diversity. Now, as I read this article, I thought, oh, holy crap, this journalist just put everything I've felt throughout my career into words that I hadn't been able to say before. And it was then that I knew who I had to work with, that it was fat, curvy and plus-size women and that I had to help them overcome the really unique mindset challenges and beliefs that we have about our bodies and not being good enough so that we can live the life that we deserve. So that's really how that that's my journey in a nutshell. Oh my god, I love that. I really love that because I think I know and I've also been through, through biker and that's how we've yeah. connected. Um you know when you're doing that course halfway through and you think you know what you do, you think you've yeah. got your knitting. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Think you got your knitting, and yeah. then all of a sudden it's that cracking, and it's like, oh, hang on, maybe that's not it. Maybe that's not yeah. what I'm here to do. And it's a real realization, isn't it, when you actually yeah. have that light bulb of who you're here to serve and how you're actually here to embody more of your actual knowing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it can feel a little bit scary. So, of course, you know, I looked around for assurance to, to people that are new and, and my my buddy Mel. And and you, and when that's reflected back to you, just like, yeah, th- this is the path I have to go. That After that, there was no choice to go any other way. Mm-hmm. And so out of that, working with that curvy plus-size woman. Yeah. You know, there must be when you're working with those women and also women and also your own realization as like me, just us having that brief conversation for five minutes before we even started. Um, the word fat we've learned at such a young age at how it impacts us today. Yeah. How does that unravel for the women that come and work with you? Do you mean like how they feel about the word fat? Yeah, how or they long? feel about the word yeah. fat and the can you know the way that society, their parents, their beliefs have all shaped them into feeling the way that they feel. Yeah, yeah. So what I really what we work on um, with with my clients is really starting to to separate their sense of self and who they are and their strengths from their body because essentially your body is just a vessel. Mm -hmm. It has no impact on who you are as a person. It has no impact on your energy, what's in your heart, if you're kind, if you're mean, if you're an introvert or extrovert. When you boil it down to it, we are so much more than our bodies and our gifts are, are really what's inside us. So that's what I really work on with my clients to unpack is to get out of their head all of these thoughts that society's told us that because we're fat we're not good enough and we don't deserve these things or we deserve to be treated badly but to really connect into their body and to their their internal sense of self-worth that's where the real strength is yeah totally and I mean I know that just for myself my inner critic yeah she's 
she can be a bitch. Oh, yeah. So can mine. Yeah, absolutely. She can be yeah. a bitch. So, and I think yeah. that's everyone listening yeah. to this podcast will be yeah. like, hell yeah. How, yeah. Do we, how do we tame her? Like, how do we yeah. like kick out and tell her to shut up and yeah. go sit in the corner? Yeah. I think the first uh, step to taming your inner critic is actually understanding what it is. Because mm. it's this really, a lot of us just know it as this really strong voice, like a broken record in our head and might sound like someone we knew when we were a kid or it's just mistakes that we've made just pushing on us all the time and it can be really hard to shake. But what your inner critic is, is, is your brain's way of keeping you safe. Mm-hmm. And when you start to, under, and, it, and it can be keeping you safe from a wide myriad of fears and you and I usually link it back to, you know, prehistoric times when re- being part of the group was essential for your physical survival. Your brain was there to stop you from doing things that were going to risk you being ostracised. So we don't, ne- we don't have in today's modern society, well, and I'll say in most societies, we don't have that reliance on the group for our physical, our essential physical survival. We can get food, shelter, oxygen, the things we need to physically survive pretty easily, but we still need that deep connection to our group. Mm-hmm. And that's where you, why we still have the inner critic now. So while the, that reliance on the group now is not imperative, we've still inherited that inner critic. So it's going to be there always to keep us survive. So once we start to understand that and understand what the inner critic's job is, then we can under, we can start to unpack, well, how can I tame it? I know it's there to keep me safe. My physical survival is not actually in jeopardy now, or is it? Because you might need to just check in and say, okay, no, it's not. I know, and then this is where I start to use my tools, like just talking to my inner critic silently. I, I have a nickname for mine and I encourage everyone else to do the same and it's something that I can't possibly take seriously. I call mine Gertrude because oh, I when I say Gertrude, I can't help but smile, and this is actually like a double double tip, Is and when you smile, you actually break that connection that um, connection into your brain and you start triggering the happiness hormones which um, disconnect your inner critic. But also, you know, you, you can't take it seriously and you like, I've heard people call them Frank, Steve, some call them Voldemort. But what, and when you start talking to it like that, you can't take it seriously and you can start to replace that inner critic with, okay, Gertrude, I'm not going to listen to you today. I know you're just keeping me safe but this is the path that I'm going to take because in my gut, and that's another step, is tapping into your heart and your gut, I know that this is true for me and I need to follow this path. Mm. Yeah, I know. And, I mean, that's when you, you know, when you connect to and have an understanding around your inner critic and your intuition, Yeah, you're actually really, that's when the whole world can light up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you start to realise how much your inner critic has been holding you back. And it is a bit like a muscle. The more you more you, you um, tame it, the more you can start to switch it off. Mm. Yeah, I know, like for me, 
And this is what I do talk to about a lot of, with a lot of my clients, like when they start to feel anxiety in their body, I'm like, that is your, that is your body. That's your superpower. Yes. Something in your life, something isn't aligned with where you're heading or in life, you you know, that's, that's an opportunity to start working with it and start to move and start because that's how I've always looked at it. Like, yeah, I get anxious just like everyone else. Yeah, um, yeah, same. That causes me to overeat, and chocolate's my weapon. Oh um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> love it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the minute, and then I, but when I stop and go away and meditate or feel yeah. into something, it's you know quite often it is I'm anxious because I'm actually fearful that I need to change something. Or mm. you know, when they first said, "Do you want a radio show, Lily?" I was so anxious. Yeah. But yeah. it was like, that's actually my next step. You've yeah. been wanting this, Lily. That's actually yeah. your next step. You need to get over yourself. Yeah. 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 I agree, Lily, that, that your body will start to tell you when your when your heart and head aren't aligning. Mm. And it will tell you in mysterious ways. Mm. So it is taking that moment to take a deep breath, put your hand on your heart and really ask what you need or what is your body trying to say. And that action of putting your hand on your heart helps you to get out of your head and into your body. Mm. Yeah. Totally. So um, I'm quite curious. Mm. You know, I know that many women listening to, and many men listening to this podcast will, like we're just coming out of obviously um, two years of being fearful around um COVID and Mm -hmm. you know people are possibly over those two years have got put on weight either put on weight through eating you know through lockdowns yeah yeah joy of lockdowns and actually eating eating or emotionally eating like you know they've just turned up to the fridge what's in the fridge yeah 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 absolutely those people what would you say for them because this is a real I think any time in your life, this can be an actual, we overeat through grief. We overeat through a number of different reasons. Yeah, yeah. boredom, yeah. lack of stimulation, yeah, whole range of different things. Look, I, I would say this to anyone who's gained weight at any time in their lives. It's normal. Like, mm. it's so, so normal. Our... It is just part of, of being a human and that that is how... Our, our body works and the whole weight I don't want to call it a cycle but the whole action of, of gaining weight is so much more complex mm. than just what you eat mm. or energy in and energy out it's mm. like I mentioned it can be stress it can be your socioeconomic impacted by your socioeconomic um, situation by your genetics Mm. By what's going on in the world. It is so, so complex that it is, but we've been taught it's about energy in, energy out, and so that means you've got control over it. But there are so many factors involved in in weight that we we actually don't have a lot of control over it. Mm. I would say it's normal, be kind to yourself, and just keep doing what you need to do to feel good in yourself. Mm. And I think that's really important because obviously 
we're conditioned at such a young girl as a yeah. young girl that we must look like this or we must show yeah. up like this or we can't yeah. eat that. And I see it really more now, not yeah. so much when I was little because it didn't probably – it probably impacted me, but you know, we did in my when I was young, probably like you, we didn't have social media yeah. and yeah, you know, reality TV. Like, yeah, yeah it was quite cl- more classic, you know, shows, or it wasn't out yeah. there in yeah. our face as much. Yeah, um, how do we break down some of that conditioning? Well, that's a big question. Well, well, no, it is a big, big question. question. And I, I I do actually want to go back to um your comment about not being impacted as it as much. But I I actually to a certain extent disagree with that. Okay. Because I know for myself, I went on my first diet when I was eleven. Mm-hmm. I have friends that went on theirs when they were seven. So friends in my age group. Wow. So I absolutely think the pressure was there. I think, yes, to your point, it's definitely more in your face now because Uh we're on our phones and we've got all of that influencer culture and and that type of thing. But, yeah, I absolutely absolutely think it has been around for decades, if if not centuries, that that pressure to be thin. Um, I think what we've got to, well, the first thing I say to people is mix up your social media feed. Stop following anyone that makes you feel like crap for a start or triggers that comparison-itis. That, that's I the first that. thing to do. But we as the, I guess, the matriarchs, the mothers, even if you're not a biological mother, we have a role now to change the messages that the young girls are receiving now. So um, I was a couple of weeks ago, I was with my little niece who's seven, and she was telling me she hates being chubby. Why am I so chubby? And she's not chubby at all. And I just kept telling her, it doesn't matter. You're so beautiful. Like, look at your beautiful rosy cheeks and just really reinforcing those messages and also trying to steer the conversation away so much from looks. Mm. You're not so, your body might be bigger than others, but look, you're so good at gymnastics. Or you're reading that book really well and just really starting to get them talking and seeing other strengths and goodness within themselves. And that's our job as, I guess, the, the mavens of this society. We need to li- help lift them up. Mm. And I think what you just said, oh, my God, there's so much deliciousness and all of that. Yeah. You know, stop following the people that trigger you. Yeah. That is like the gem. Yeah. Like why do yeah. we keep following? Yeah. The Kardashians, yeah. the exactly. you know, like yeah. the people that keep us on the wagon of yeah. self-criticizing ourselves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Lily. And I heard a really good um, analogy of it uh, a couple of months ago now, and I, I wish I could really remember where I got it from so I could reference them. But you know how there's a real tendency and I'm working on breaking this myself, to get on social media almost as soon as I wake up in the morning to see who's messaged me, what's happening, what have I missed overnight, nothing. But the analogy I heard was, and I don't do it in my bedroom, but I know a lot of people do, is imagine if those people were in your bedroom physically when you woke up every morning because that's essentially what you're doing, telling your brain. Mm. So imagine if Kim and Chloe and Kylie were all there First thing in the morning when you wake up, you'd feel really shit about yourself, wouldn't you? Yeah. 
and you wouldn't be inviting them in personally. So why are we inviting them in energetically through our phones? And I think and that was a real light bulb moment for me. Like, yep, I've got to stop doing this until later in the day. And I think yeah. what you've just shared, why are we inviting them in energetically? Yeah. This is what yeah. people don't understand about um, energy. When we invite someone in energetically, we're actually inviting them back into our headspace, back into our mm. aura fields, back into yeah. our, you know, when, when, when we're not watching it, not consuming it, it's nowhere around us. Yeah. It's not having an influence on us. It's not, we're, right. we're, we're not into the clickbait. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. We've got no comparison going on. We've yeah. got no fear. We've got no fat shame. We're, we're just doing our thing. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Mm. And so even if you're doing it on social media, you're inviting them in energetically. Even if you're watching it on TV, it's in your sphere. You're inviting it in. Mm. Yeah. I hope every woman listens to that. I hope everyone hears that message because that there in itself is so powerful. So my next question, because mm. I'm curious to know, mm. why do you think woman, fat shame, other woman? You know, is it the sister wound? Or oh, yeah, yeah, I think it is. <laughs> my take on it, well, my take on it is weight stigma affects everyone, mm. whether you're fat, slim, skinny, muscly it affects everyone it's just such an entrenched part of our culture and as a result all of us have an internalized fat phobia even fat people so I know and I've been guilty of this too I'm going to be really transparent here before I started this journey I would shame other fat people and I would compare myself to them am I as fat as them Mm-hmm. And until I learned what I was doing and started to unpack that, I didn't realise that that was my internalised fat phobia and that I'd been conditioned to do that by society. So, I mean, I think it's a really simple answer to say we've been conditioned by society. We've got the sister wound to pit each, ourselves against each other mm-hmm. because the patriarchy know that together we are so much stronger mm-hmm. as part of that but also it's our internalised fat phobia. And I want people to know that you, because it's so strong, you you can't help but have that. And I want people to be able to forgive themselves for that. Mm. But once you know it, then it's your duty to society and the sisterhood to start to unpack it and to do better. Mm. Oh, my God, that. You know, I think that there's so many spaces that we don't actually have these conversations. Yeah, 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 a lot of spaces. You know, and, you know, just your friendship groups. Yeah. Your friends. um, The same conversations just as the family. Yeah. Like we're so scared to actually hold space and actually really dig deep and have these conversations. You know, I I interviewed my sister a couple of podcasts ago, and my sister is a professional cricket player, was a professional cricket player. And, you know, she said something in that podcast that I actually didn't even bloody realize. Mm -hmm. She said to me, 
Well, she might have said it afterwards, but she was like, you know, I was very much obsessed through the role that I had. I was so, and my sister wasn't, I I wouldn't have thought she was fat. Like I wouldn't yeah. have thought she saw herself as fat. Yeah. Um, she said, I was very much calorie in, output, calorie yeah. in, output. And, yeah. and when she said that for me, I realized just in that moment, because we were brought up um, all about food. Our family yeah. is all about food, like home cooking, caterers. Yeah. It's all, you know, foods, foods, what oh, we yeah. nourish and how we share our love and yep. nothing's yep. off limits. Um, I didn't realize, you know, how much she restricted herself actually in her eating, you know, when I thought about it on Christmas Day or because that's obviously in the real professional space of cricket and like how much she had stopped consuming the food that actually lit her up. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, Mm -hmm. there was a conversation, like obviously she's, she's, you know, 20 years on. Yeah. But that was her conditioning. That was her, yeah. you know, and I didn't realize how much that actually impacted her until 20 years on. Yeah. Mm. It's very powerful, isn't it? Mm. Mm. And I think that, well, I feel and I know that we need to really the reason why I wanted to get you on because this is such an important conversation because if yeah. we to heal ourselves as women and our own fat shame and our own inner critic, we have to do that work in order for us to help heal, you know, the maidens and the younger, younger children that are still coming through. Yeah. Yeah, we need to be able to recognise that, um, that trauma, but mm. also that behaviour in ourselves mm. so that we can recognise it and share our stories because that's where the power is and sharing I'm like you, that this is what you can do mm. to, to step more into your power too, mm. to heal and to help heal the generation behind you. Mm. And I suppose when we are watching, you know, we have so many influences in life i.e. programs, TVs, media, everything, you know, we don't have plus-size models. Not really. Not really, no. Let's just be clear. You know, there's a few people out there just in the New Zealand Zealand world, like Augustine and that, that are New Zealand designers that are trying to, um, you know, have plus-size models or um, different cultures. But it... It's not really. No, it's not it's really. Just I sticking think, plaster. It's just like to yeah. like look good. Some, you know, let's yeah. do it just I, to look good. But yeah, not, think, it's not real. No, well, not yet. I think that not like yet. Said, we, we're going through. There is some people are trying to change, mm. and I think but this conversation is really good because again, it's bringing to light some of the not great behaviour. Like I was reading an article the other day around. Um, some straight size models have their have had padding made so that they can strap it to themselves and then also double as a plus size model. Also within the plus size model world, 
there is an ideal body type. Mm. And it's not the size 26 or size 28, unfortunately, currently. You've still got to meet a certain look and usually around it's a size 14 to, to 16. So there is still a lot of a lot of work to do, but I love that we're having more and more having this conversation and shining a light on, on like I said, some of the practices that are going on because suddenly once we know it and consumers start asking for companies to do better, mm-hmm. then they'll change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my mother is um, curvy. She's yeah. possibly 25, you know, 24 to 28. I remember yeah. size. And I remember as a, and she always has been, and I remember as a um, young girl. Yeah. could never buy clothing where we live. Oh. She yeah. could never buy clothing from, you know, yeah. the normal retailers. We used to have right. to come to Christchurch and yeah. go to a special shop for mum to buy clothing. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, it would be an hour ordeal because yeah. the reality was my mum was so uncomfortable. Yeah. And yeah. even when she did find something nice and we'd go, mum, that's really nice, you should buy that. And this is me and my sister as little kids. Yeah. Mum, you should buy that. You look so pretty. She wouldn't spend the money on herself. Yeah, yeah. And it was just um, heartbreaking yeah. as, as a young kid to watch. And so fat shame and yeah. everything that we're talking about, you know, I have a, even so I'm a size 14 to 16 and I waver between, I'm yeah. never going to be a size 10. I like my, yeah. food, I like my food too much. Um, the reality is, I grew up in that environment. Yeah. I might not have experienced some of the wounds that we're talking about, but yeah. I saw it every day in my own mother. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you would have really, what really sings out to me there is she had been conditioned to have really low self worth. Mm. So that's what you would have observed. Yeah. 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 And, even, and I, yeah. even now, we when we go to buy mum presents, like we buy, her vouchers normally because we like because we want yeah. we always buy clothing vouchers and we you know send them down to her you know she doesn't spend them yeah 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 and that is big stuff to unpack because I can really relate I grew up in Tasmania in the 80s and 90s and and similar situation now I was probably between a 16 to a 20 and you couldn't get nice clothes mm. in those sizes that fitted. A lot of times I had to shop at men's shops. Mm. I would say it's only in the last 10 to 15 years that, it, that it's really started to change. But what that does to a person is tells you that you're not worthy of having nice stuff. Mm. And I still struggle, and I can really re- relate to your mom. I still struggle now if I see something nice and it fits and it looks good, I still struggle with the, am I worth it? Mm. Should I buy it? Should I spend that money? Mm. And yeah. I, yeah, and I'm probably the same now for me. Just even through this conversation, I'm yeah. realizing I struggle to spend two hundred dollars or three hundred dollars on a skirt or a dress for me. You know, yeah. like to, I'd want to justify, like justify. Yeah, it. yeah. Like four years ago, I was horrific at that. Now, probably not so much. Yeah, I, you same, know what? I've yeah. worked so bloody hard. I so deserve yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah. That, that was possibly some of my some of the conditioning that I was yes. still carry like that I was yeah. actually carrying. Yeah, absolutely. You yeah, you would have observed that 
and mirrored mm. that behavior from, from your mom. Mm. And even yeah. as we're having this conversation, I'm realizing, you know, that's probably why I hate bra shopping. Can't mm-hmm. stand the bloody thing. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's that whole feeling of standing there, yeah. vulnerable, yeah. while they're trying to, and like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not thin and I'm not, um, you know, I'm in between. Yeah. Um, so I can only imagine how people really feel with this mm. and have empathy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. And I think that's the most important place to start is with the empathy. Mm. And you know what? We as females are subcon- subconsciously, every time we probably get out of our car, we are judging someone. For yes. something, yeah, we're comp- yeah judging and comparing, comparing ourselves, yeah, trying to figure out where we all fit in the pecking order, yeah, and yeah, and we've got to stop it. Mm-hmm. We've got to stop it. It's fascinating because, um, you know, these are the conversations that matter. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, you know, we live in a world that's patriarchal. It is patriarchal. Mm. And that is breaking down. That's breaking down right now. And so what would be your ideal? Where do you see your work really transforming into? Like conversation-wise, what do you really want to change? Oh, I think we had a wonder we could just do some magic. Yeah, yeah. Look. My first, my first go-to is I would really love all women, especially fat, curvy and plus-size women, to know that they are so much more than their size mm. and their self-worth is connected to who they are in their heart, not their size. Mm. That, that, that's my first go-to. But also saying that, like as we were saying before, I feel like I'm going through a massive change at the moment too, so... I think there might be a bigger, something bigger out there, but I'm just sitting and sort of exploring to see what that is at the moment. But I still think my first vision is is pretty damn good and exciting too. Mm. Have, you, have you ever thought about, just throwing this out here because this is what's just dropping in, have you ever thought about working with younger children? I haven't. I haven't, no. But funny you say that a friend has asked me to do a session with her young daughter tomorrow. I think you're going to do workshops for children. Okay, okay. Just, just, just. Yeah, okay. Just chucking that in. Not that you haven't got enough to do. Nothing in the world and sort out. I'll sit with that one and see Mm. what comes back, yeah. For those, these beautiful women that are listening to this, what is the take-home note that you really want them to take home today that you really want them to sit with? I would really want them to explore where are they telling themselves or where are you telling yourself you need to put your life on hold until you're a certain size? Oh, how many times have I told myself that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know? As soon as you said that, do you know what popped into my head? What? 
I'll buy that dress. Yes. I'll buy that dress when I get to that size. Yes. And the other yes. thing that popped into my head. Yes. You said that was um, I need to look, you know, about losing weight to get married. Oh, yes. Yes. That's a big one. I hear a lot. I'll, I'll start dating when I've lost weight. Mm. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it's like I always say, we're putting our life on hold and we're just coexisting. Exactly. We're actually, we're coexisting on the treadmill when we're actually here to live and we're meant to be in co-creation. That's right. And when we're putting, yeah, we're putting our lives on hold. So we're not only denying ourselves and telling ourselves we're not worthy of a full and vibrant life, but we're telling the other people around us that too. Mm. So, yeah, it's not a great energy to be putting out in the world. No, it's not because yeah. everything is energy. Yeah. Yeah. So, sister, three sacred yes. years. Yes. Um, and I always ask every one of my clients. Okay. Um, so what is one thing right now you, you wish you could change in the collective? I wish we could ditch diet culture. Oh! Stop diet talk. Stop talking about weight loss. I just want to just lose that from the whole conversation. I want to ban diet ads and just get rid of that whole thing. It's just a big, massive distraction from what's really going on. I love that. I absolutely love that. Oh, my God, that's amazing. Um, What advice would you give your five-year-old self? Oh, that's... That was tougher, but I would just say you are so loved. Even when you think you're not, you absolutely are more than more than you know. Mm. I love that. And last question is, what do you do for yourself around sacred rituals and practice to connect to you? Well, I am, have really been working hard on this, particularly the last few weeks, um, because I think in owning my own business, I was heading for a bit of burnout and I wasn't really mm-hmm. connecting into my, my spiritual sign. Mm-hmm. So what I've implemented now is what I call my sacred morning. I uh, make myself a coffee as soon as I get up, feed the cats, need to get that distraction. Then I meditate. Mm-hmm. I'll pull myself an oracle card. I'll journal and then I'll just ask myself, what do I need? Do I need to go and sit under the trees for a while? Do I need to go for a walk? Do I need to jump in the pool? Like, and just really connect in to what I need. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And then I, I, try, and, oh, I was just going to say, try and create spaces throughout the day to do that as well. Yeah, that's what I do yeah. too. Because I think it's really important right now to do that as the collective energy is very um, getting loud. I yes. It's really yeah. important to take, yeah. you know, where for me it used to be in half an hour to an hour practice in the morning. Yeah. Now it's just slotted out throughout the day. Yeah. 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 And what I've found is it gets, it's getting longer, this, that, that space. Like I used to try and just do 10 minutes. Now I'm like, oh, I love it so much. It's getting longer. So that's really beautiful. I love that. So how do the beautiful um, people listening to this podcast 
how do they find you? How do they connect with you? How do they get some coaching from you, attend a workshop? Yeah. Well, I have all the information on my website about coaching and workshops and events that I run. So my website is um, www.andreawestbrook.com.au. I love Instagram. (laughs) I bought good or bad. And my Instagram handle is Andrea Westbrook Coaching. So you can find me there as well. Awesome. We'll put those links up on the um, page. Thank Fabulous. you, Andrea, for such a um, powerful conversation that I feel is so needed. And, you know, the journey of the work that you are embodying and birthing into the world, I don't think you realize how much power and potentness it has to really bring change for women and liberate them. Oh, thank you. That means so much to me. And even if I can change the life of one woman, mm. that that's, you know, that's amazing for me. So thank you for inviting me, Lily. I've really loved this conversation too. Been really powerful. It has been. Thank you, gorgeous. Thank you.